You're listening to a Whales or Whales production. You're also listening to Whales. Visit whalesorwhales.com for more projects and shows like this one. I'll just ruin this by making me do the intro twice. This is Hearthaholics. Uh, I have an excuse. For the first time ever, we're doing a live stream. That's true. So there are technical difficulties to figure out. Um, That is exciting. This is our set review for the League of Explorers. And we decided when we're doing um, set reviews for new cards, we can go ahead and live stream it since it's content that people are probably wanting to see, you know, earlier than most. And it's not stuff we have to pre-prepare quite as much. Yeah, absolutely. We were thinking about doing a live stream for a little bit now and, you know, put our face and our voices too so people right. can see who we are we actually exist we are people not robots narrating you well i just am a very content. convincingly human robot myself, <laughs> but, you know uh but yeah it's um it's also something that when we do this we'll be able to upload the uh the video hopefully to our uh, youtube channel so yeah this will be a very interesting experience uh, experience and experiment as you can see we have the little cards that way, I don't know which way I should be pointing. The, uh, I think wrong that's way, wrong way. You're point, pointing wrong. That there, way, there you go. <laughs> As you can see, I'm very new to this whole streaming thing. But we have our cards over there, and we're just going to jump in. Uh, a little note beforehand on how we're going to be doing our reviews. If you want to see in depth how we go about reviewing cards, we released another episode on the feed in tandem with this called Card Evaluation. And in it, we went through all of our different methods for card evaluation and and a lot of the main methods that people use. And it gives you a good idea of kind of how we're going to go about reviewing cards. Um, But additionally, we are going to have a ranking system as we review cards. But we're we're trying not to use it as a way of like objectively saying this card is great and this card is horrible because a lot of that you have to figure out once it's already in the game. So instead, our our ranking system is more of... um, how likely we think the card is to see competitive play. That's so right. for example, more of the potential it has to see play. Exactly. We've got um, A through F. So A is that it's very likely to see competitive play. B is it's likely to see competitive play, but it's variable. We're not sure. C is we're just on the fence about it as a potential rule, but it could really go either way. D is we're thinking it won't see competitive play. It's unlikely that it will. And F is that we're taking a stand here and nobody will play that card. Um, That's right. And uh, I guess the last thing that I want to say before we jump into the reviews, for Mm -hmm. those of you who are listening to the audio form of this review, and you're curious about how we actually look, make sure to check out the video later on YouTube. (laughs) It will be posted uh, on our Twitter and our our page, so stay tuned for that. Um, If you'd rather not see how we look and just make the picture yourself in your head, (laughs) then stay away from this. You don't want to have your mental image ruined? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. It happens all the time, actually. It's a quite curious thing. Like, when you hear somebody's voice before you meet them, you create a mental picture of them in your head, and then you see them, and you're like, oh, wow. That's not how I pictured you. That is true. That's happened to you in some podcasts. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it's best just get it over with sooner rather than later. Um, (laughs) So you say you're not shocked when it happens. Yeah. All Um, right. Well... Let's do this. Alrighty. So we've got our first card here, as you can see. Murloc Tiny Fin. Um, this is a zero cost minion, neutral minion. We're going, by the way, we're going to the neutrals first and the class cards later. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one attack and one health, and it is a Murloc type. Um, Andres, what, what did you think about this card? So 
this card is a good example of cards that we can use previews cards that have been released uh, mm -hmm. to compare them. We already yes. have a pretty good example of what a zero cost 1-1 is able to do with Wisp. Right. It's not very impressive. It's actually usually quite a, a dead card that doesn't get you mm -hmm. much value. Because with a zero cost 1-1, one, one, what what can you trade up with? You know, it sometimes yeah. doesn't even trade up with a simple one mana cost creature. Here's the thing, though, right. that differentiates this card from Wisp. This card is actually a Murloc. And because it's a Murloc, it actually gives it a more potential value than Wisp would have. Um, I think some of the synergies that Murlocs have already in place, like the Murlocs that buff other Murlocs, yeah. would benefit from being able for you to fill up the board simultaneously as you play them. So technically, the Murloc Tinyfin is not very impressive as a turn one play or uh, just by himself. But if you pair up with the Murlocs that actually buff him, um, it could be a tempo play and it could actually get a 3-3 or a 1-3 for zero mana. So I yeah. think just because of this, I think it's better than Wisp. And in a full-blown Murloc deck, you might throw in one of these guys. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think uh, those were a lot of the points I was going to hit. Another thing I was going to add, though, is one of the Murloc deck's biggest problems is running out of cards. Um, this does not help with that because it uses an entire card slot just to get a 1-1 one -one in the field. Um, which could be dangerous to Murloc decks, especially non-Warlock Murloc decks that are already exhausting their resources really quickly. Um, yeah, having said so that, that, also Murlocs yeah. want to take over the board quite mm -hmm. fast and always be ahead, because you're usually trying right. to play an aggressive game with them, you know? Yeah. Murlocs don't have crazy abilities that can um, put you back into the game later in the game, so you kind of mm -hmm. have to win early before all your Murlocs get slaughtered. Yeah, so it does have a lot of potential synergy, but given two facts, one, it's Wisp, and two, it's in a Murloc deck, I still gave it an F, um, because I don't think it's actually <laughs> going to see competitive play ever. But I think, what, what I think, think? I'm going to give it a D, just because okay, sometimes people that's do fair. play Murloc decks just, you know, to have fun, and I think mm -hmm. in a Murloc deck, this this guy could see could sure. see a place, but yeah. D, I, I kind of agree more, more than likely not see rec play. This next card, uh, are you able to cycle through it and that go okay? Let's go, let's go. All right. All right, just tell me when you have it up. Uh, it's up. Cool. All right, the next card is Huge Toad. Um, this is a two-cost neutral minion, common rarity. Um, it is three attack, two health. It is beast type, and it reads Death Rattle, deal one damage to a random enemy. Um, I was actually... Uh, this card has potential to me. To me, it really reminds me of... Um, what's the card that came out in the last set? Flame? Juggler? Flame Juggler, the 2-3 yes. that deals one random damage when yes. it comes in. And similar to that for me, I mean, this isn't... I think this is somewhat worse because it's Death Rattle instead of Battle Cry, which gives your opponent more control on when to uh, mm -hmm. uh, use it. And I, I think 3-2 is about comparable with 2-3 to get out in turn 2. So I, I can see it having use, especially in a beast deck that wants another 2-drop. It's not a terrible card. It de definitely mm -hmm. passes the vanilla test, and it has an added ability. It, uh... For the for the cost, it's actually pretty pretty good the the mm -hmm. value they get. But then if we look at it in context, on turn two, more than likely this card is just it's gonna straight up trade with whatever they have played, right? Like a Darnassus yeah. Aspirin, a Mad Scientist, a Leper Gnome, a Knife Juggler, any of mm -hmm. these cards, and more than likely your opponent will trade it in before they play anything else. So you right. might sneak in one damage to their face. I think That's the one great. damage usually is not going to be too relevant. 
sometimes you might run into the case where you it might trade up with maybe a 3-4. You get lucky, you run it into it, and you get the one damage, and then you can mm-hmm. gain value out of it. Um, aside from that, maybe the beast synergy will, yeah. like you said, will get him a little play. But I don't see this card just being like a meta changer. I definitely give it a C. It's definitely playable. Yeah. And in a deck that maybe can take advantage of that one damage in other ways, uh, it could be a good card. And I gave it a C as well. I think it, it does pass the vanilla test. It's perfectly fine to be a 3-2. Um, also, I think in a more aggressive Beast Hunter, there isn't an amazing option for turn 2 right now because you don't really want to play King's Elec. Um, Haunted, Haunted Creeper and King's Elk are two of the beasts that are great in two drops, but one relies on you having expensive cards in your deck, and the other uh, is not very much attack power. So I can see if you want a more aggressive opening with kind of a beast hunter at some point, this could kind of fit that bill of putting that pressure on and also getting you a 3-2 beast yeah. in turn two. Making so. it that one random damage, I feel, makes it that so that it's not overpowered, right? It's not exactly. completely out of line with uh, all of the other two drops that are already mm-hmm. out there. So yeah, I think it can go either way. It totally depends if a deck comes in. Because right now, I don't think there's a deck that needs this. But a deck could pop up that ends up uh, slotting it in. It's it's just solid. So nothing nothing there that makes that card unplayable at all. Yep. Uh, next up, we have Jeweled Scarab. This is a two-cost common rarity minion. One attack, one health. And it is also a beast. And it reads, Battlecry, discover a three-cost card. So this is our first discover effect. Yeah. Um, discover is the new mechanic of this set where... When you play a Discover um, card, it basically um, gives you a choice like tracking of three different cards of whatever type it is. In this case, it'll give you three choices of a three-cost card. That can be minion, that can be spell, that can be weapon. Um, the only limiter is it can only be all neutral cards and the class you are playing. So if you're a warlock, you can't draw a priest spell from this. If you're a, if you're a hunter, you can't get a mage minion from this. But yep. Uh, it's a really cool ability. I talked about it a little bit in the set review episode, but the reason I like Discover so much is that it takes the fun and the um, the wide variance of random chance, you know, something like Unstable Portal pulling from all of these different possible cards, but it gives you choice over that outcome, so it's not quite, uh, you're not leaving, there's more strategy and control over your input into the effect. Absolutely. So. I think Discover is a really cool mechanic. Um, looking into this card a little further... It's also a card that we can look into cards that have been released in the past to kind of get a general yes. comparison. We know Navas Engineer, it's also a 2-cost 1-1 one, one that draws you a card. And mm-hmm. even though the card stats are quite bad, we still see that card getting played in certain decks, especially decks that want to cycle fast and that just right. want to put maybe a small, a small body on the board. This is... There's a very big distinction for me between this and Novice Engineer, and that's why I'm really not sure where this is going to see play, because the huge differentiation is Novice Engineer gets you further in your deck, and that's why Novice Engineer is almost used exclusively in combo decks, because like a patron or, or something like that, you want to get through your deck so you can get to these specific win conditions. Jeweled Scarab isn't doing that for you. All Jeweled Scarab is doing is giving you a three-cost card. It's not getting you any deeper in your deck. Yeah, you're right so about that. Like the, the decks it goes in are going to be different. It still might go in some. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and he was saying it's great in mid-range Hunter, because Hunter has a ton of great three-cost cards, and you can guarantee that you're going to have a card to play the next turn when you play Jeweled Scarab. Interesting, yeah. It's also a beast. Uh, I think you're right about that. I think even though the effect is very similar to Novice Engineer, mm-hmm. and I think the effect is good enough so that it will see play in some decks, the right. difference between Jules Scarab and the Novice Engineer is that, you're right, is gr- Novice Engineer is great for combo decks or decks that are trying to dig into your deck fast enough because you want the reliability of knowing what cards you're going to draw into, right? You want the cards mm-hmm. that are already in there because you put them in there for a reason. 
Jules Carab is interesting in the sense that it might not guarantee you getting one of those cards, although it can. You could find mm-hmm. one of the cards that you're looking for, but Jules Carab adds a card into your hand that was not in your deck that has an advantage on games where they go a little bit longer, right? Right. Uh, in decks where you're trying to base um, the win condition and attrition, right? You're trying to wear down your opponent slowly. Let's say like a grinder mage. Cards mm-hmm. that can summon cards out of thin air that are not right. in your deck are actually very, very useful. Right. Um, I think because of this discover is a very interesting mechanic. Definitely for later on in the game, it, it gives you extra fuel. You can uh, yeah. you can cheat the system by adding more than 30 cards into into the deck, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's interesting because of that. Yeah, I think that's one reason that I currently have this card in a C rather than a D or a B. Like, I can see it becoming a I think a I would B grade it a C as well. I can, I can see it going up or down, but we don't know it. Like, that's the difficult thing about the Discover mechanic is these cards, a few of them just came out, including Jeweled Scarab. And I haven't gotten a good read on how good it is yet, because you can't, like we said, you can't just compare it to card draw, because card draw is fulfilling a purpose that this doesn't. But this also gives you a benefit that card draw doesn't. It guarantees a specific type of card, in this case a three-cost card, and it lets yeah. you choose between them. And so, it's also control randomness, so even though right. you can't guarantee the card, you can you can almost usually guarantee a card that is going to be useful for whatever mm-hmm. situation you're in. Sometimes you might get really unlucky and really get nothing that is relevant, but that is going to be very unlikely. Exactly. So we'll see how this turns out. I mean, it does fail spectacularly, the vanilla test. It is not going to be playing 1-1 no, on turn No, I think two. that's why I would give it a C, because yeah. I think it will see play in certain decks, especially things like Grinder Mage, where you're trying mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, add value to your deck as much as you can. But it's going to be like the Novice Engineer, where yeah. you need a very specific deck... To kind of make that work. You have to be willing to sacrifice tempo, which is one reason I'm a little bit hesitant about stuff like mid-range hunter running it, because you know, a lot of mid-range decks yeah, want to keep well, tempo. Yeah, although to be fair, mid-range hunter is usually trying to set up and just trying to keep your opponent at bay at, at first point. and then you really go for the aggressive side later. You're right, it's not quite like mid-range paladin or something. So but yeah, this cover is definitely a very interesting mechanic. I'm gonna keep my eyes out for this mechanic. Because yeah. playing it from the adventure already from the first wing, I can mm-hmm. tell that is it's very cool. It's I, I enjoy it, yeah. I think it's a lot more powerful than Inspire because <laughs> of how immediate it is, and it's not forcing you to put resources into your hero power in such a development-focused way. Yeah, and also uh-huh. once you have information about the board state, your opponent's plan, and that sort of thing, and you have yeah. a choice from three cards, that can be quite strong. That's something really cool, and something I was going to say when you talk about kind of quadrant theory on this, as it's not that great for development, except for the turn three that can come after, but like, <coughs> even late game, you can play this and say you're ahead, it gives you a choice of three cards, it's pretty likely one of those cards you can choose to like put pressure on your opponent. So, like, yeah. it gives you a lot of choice, even if you're dropping a late game, the, you can look for something thing, that's good for you. Yeah, sorry, the one thing to keep in mind, too, is that mm-hmm. when you're using something as novice engineer, you're drawing one card, and yeah, that's it. That's... You have no choice. Mm-hmm. With this one, you don't draw a card that is in your deck, but you have a choice of three cards. It's kind of like that mechanic in Magic, the scry mechanic, yeah, where you can yeah, look at the top more. three cards of your library, and then you pick one. You technically don't choose from the top three cards of your library, but you're choosing from cards from your class and neutral yep. cards. So there's a big chance there's something relevant in there. And because you have the choice of three cards, it gives you 
more strategic depth into being able to pick something that is relevant mm -hmm. to the situation you're in. And one last really cool thing about Discover, it's another mechanic that, you know, Magic and other paper card games can never do because you need to have access to every single card at all times and no one ever does that. So yeah. it's, it's also cool because you can't do that in those games. Yeah. So speaking of Discover, we have another Discover card here with a Tomb Spider. It is a four-cost minion, three attack, three health. It is also a beast type. They are doing a ton of beast cards Yeah, in this beasts set. are coming out. It's yeah. neutral, too, so, you know, you can put in Druid, yep. you can put in Hunter. Neutral, I, I guess those are the two ones that take advantage of Beasts. Currently, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see another one coming anytime soon, but uh, it has Battlecry, Discover, a Beast. Um, so, I again, I'm actually really on the fence with this one. I gave it a C as well, because, um, I mean, looking at cards in the past, it's a little bit similar to Ram Wrangler. Um, that is a 3-3 three, three that comes down on turn 5 and summons a Beast. The difference here is you aren't playing the beast, so you aren't getting that mana boost, but you are getting a choice of beasts. So there's kind of that trade-off, and it's also one mana less than Ram Wrangler. Ram Wrangler is currently seeing play, correct? Ram Wrangler is seeing play. I have run into a few hunters that run like a one-off. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, Ram Wrangler, it was one of those cards like Unstable Portal that yeah. could win you the game right then and there. You know, if you get a King Crush, if you get a Savannah High Main, um, mm -hmm. even the... What's the name of that... Uh, Bright Nasser is that gives charge to your oh, base. Tundra, Tundra Rhino, Rhino yeah, yeah, that can be really good too. Uh, yeah. Any of those. The and also you're putting a 3-3 yeah. on the board. The, the thing about this one is that you do get the choice of the beast, but you're paying mm -hmm. 4 mana for a 3-3, which is already very overwhelming in stats. And yeah. then you do get a pick in the beast, but it goes into your hand. So you it still is not have a to swing for you. Yeah. Exactly. So you still have to play it. So it seems like this card might be a major tempo loss. And to be honest, any of the beasts that you can get from the entire game usually are not did not gain you te the tempo back. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Also, it is a four drop, and with every four drop you have to compare it against the gold standard right now, which is pilot and shredder. Mm -hmm. Um the good news is it can trade into a piloted treader and destroy it. And but you do get a beast, so you do get a body, but yeah. again, the piloted shredder doesn't lose you temple because the mm -hmm. card comes out in play. This guy, the card still goes into your hand. Right. So again, I'm the reason I'm probably still at sea with this thing is because of the discover mechanic having I want to give it the benefit of the doubt and the potential that I can see again in a in a uh, mid-range hunter that can, you know hold out for a little longer and doesn't necessarily need a ton of tempo starting the game out. I can see this being pretty darn valuable, but it is tough with the forward slot being so contested and it not really trading that well. Yeah, it. maybe I could see it even more in Druid, where you can ramp it up. And, That's uh, a good point. I and the tempo loss that. is not as big. Because, I don't know, it seems like when you're playing with Beasts, you're playing a board-centric kind of game. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see this card being good unless you can play it into the board quick. Yeah. What did you end up giving this? C. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to have a big disagreement at some point, people. I, I Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> I get a C because right. he could find a home in Beast X, but it's yeah. not. I don't... You know, I'm on the fence. I almost want to give it a D. Yeah, I'm really close to you. I think I had it at a D for a while as well, then I bumped it up just because, you know, I'm, I'm still not sure on Discover. I want to I want to stay positive for that. So yeah. we'll see. Um, next up, we have another Discover card. Uh, this is GorillaBot A3, a four cost. And, and no, he's not going to get an A, even though A is in his name. I'm sorry. Uh, he is a four cost minion, uh, common rarity, three attack, four health, a mech type, and reads Battlecry. If you control another mech, discover a mech. 
Um, this does fail the vanilla test. It is a three, four for four. Typically you want at least something like, you know, four or five. Um, however, I was thinking about this guy and I really do like him for, um, for some tempo mech decks because one problem with something like Mech Mage is that you don't really have much card draw and you can run out of fuel after that initial burst. Mm -hmm. And this guy is coming down for pretty good stats on turn four and additionally refilling your hand with a, a mech of your choice. And there are a lot of good mechs out there. Um, so I don't do know if I would call guy? this guy pretty good stats, but you're right about that. It does cover yeah. a little bit of the shortcomings of mech decks that mm -hmm. usually have no card draw at all. And right. once they lose their mech board, they're usually left in the dust. Mm -hmm. um, again, like the spider... You have to discover the card, and then you have to play the card. And right. again, just like beasts, mechs are reliant on having the board. And yep. you usually want to play, you know, stuff that is going to contest the board. That's why things like Anoyatron, even Mech Warper, or the Mechano Spider are good, because they have good stats for their cost, and they can usually at least sometimes stand the turn for you mm -hmm. to keep the board. Um the Gorilla Bot, unlike the Spider, is also conditional for mm -hmm. the battle cry to activate. You have to have a mech in play. So there yeah. are times where this Gorilla is not going to have any value at all. That is true. Uh, uh, just because you touched on an interesting point. With Mech Warper, it can come out on turn 3, which is big help for it. Yeah, uh, you're right about that. Just because of the mech synergy, I would actually place it at a C over yeah, the too. Spider. The Spider, I'm really on the fence just because we haven't really seen a successful beast deck but yeah. we have seen successful mech decks mm -hmm. um so just because of that this might see a little more play yeah i i think it go again i just had to repeat it goes hinges on the power of the discover effect if this is if this red draw a card i'd probably be against it and probably put it down into d territory just because i don't think it's worth playing i mean at that point you're basically playing a um novice engine no not a novice engineer what's the two for draw card a a uh, gnomish inventor. Yeah, you're basically playing a gnomish inventor with one more attack and and mech type, which probably isn't worth it. But I think the discover effect could make it uh, worthwhile in a mech deck where you know you can figure out, look at your hand, and you're like, okay, what what kind of tempo do I need, and then choose from. Yeah, that, so. although it is interesting that they're attacking these effects on this sort of tribal decks. Yeah, because it's. It's a way to give them card draw without giving them card draw. Yeah, it gives them card draw that fits into how they play. Yeah, it gives them a card draw that still puts a body on the board. So you sacrifice mm -hmm. a little bit of stats, but you don't yep. lose card advantage. So it's an, definitely an interesting, interesting thought. It might be more useful than we're giving it credit for right now. Exactly. We, we, we need to see how it plays out. It's super similar to Toon Spider. I just think that little bit better because those decks are there and it also has the better stats. So next up, we finally, we have a non-discover card again. Um... Uh, and also, yeah, I give Gorillabot the C as well. Um, we have Anubisoth Sentinel. This is a five-cost common rarity minion with four attack and four health, and it reads, Death Rattle, give a random friendly minion plus three, plus three. So this fails the vanilla test strictly in that it's a four attack and four health um, for five, but if you count the effect going off, you are getting seven, seven for five over two, um, two bodies, which is... Powerful if it can happen. It's um, very powerful if it can happen. Three plus three plus three is a huge buff, especially mm -hmm. if it's attached to, you know, technically no mana cost. You just have to, to meet certain conditions, right? Your right. Sentinel has to die, which is likely because of the stats that it has. Uh, I mm -hmm. think the plus three plus three can be very powerful, especially with some of the cards that are already in the game and some of the cards yeah. that are coming out too. Um, I think that Death Rattle 
can be really interesting, especially in other death rattle decks where you already have sticky boards that can uh, stay yes. on the board. And just killing this minion can be such a huge liability, or training this minion up can be really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like this guy, especially for a okay. common card. It can be good in arena. I think it could see uh, rank play. Like I said, in a board centric deck, like a priest mm-hmm. deck or uh, death rattle decks. I mm-hmm. think this guy could be quite useful. Yeah, I, I, I like this guy. I actually tried playing a little bit in my mid-range zoo. I overall don't think I'm a fan, because right now, in terms of the decks that are out there, I think the only one he really fits is uh, mid-range zoo lock, because those do have really sticky minions. It goes for a ton of board control, uh, wants to put pressure up. But I feel by turn five in these more aggressive decks, you're wanting to start kind of closing the game out. Um and this guy kind of is too passive and slow for that. Like, you don't really want to rely on a conditional effect to strengthen your board. You want to start pressuring your opponent, maybe play Lothed and lock them down, or play um, uh, the uh, Doom Guard and start doing damage to the face, or, you know, really, um, or turn things around with the Bane of Doom by removing their board and augmenting yours. And I feel this guy is just a little bit slow for those kind of strategies. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, to be honest, I don't know if I would see him in a in a sue like strategy because you're mm-hmm. right with that one you have to want to be a little more aggressive and that but by right. this point you're kind of trying to close the game out not trying to let it go longer i could mm-hmm. see it more in a mid-rangey kind of thing i could see mm-hmm. it maybe in a paladin that has a lot of divine shield and yeah. other buffs for your creatures i could see it um like i said in a priest that where you possible. want to have like you know big big guys that you can buff kind of like uh like the cult the dark cultist effect yeah, that is a very similar card, and Dark Cultist does see play. Um, I think one reason it does is because it was providing that three drop that yeah, was yeah. otherwise gone. But still, five isn't one of the most contested slots. Um, so he could see play. I ended up giving him a D because I think it's unlikely, but it sounds like you're, I'll give you're it a little I'll more give positive. it a C. I think, okay. I think it'll see play in some decks. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, but... Uh, there is there is a card coming up that I don't think we'll see play in any decks. Uh, we have Fossilized Devil Soar. This is an 8-cost minion. Uh, common rarity, 8 attack, and 8 health. And it reads, Battlecry, if you control a beast, gain taunt. So the very obvious thing here is this is an Iron Bark from Druid, the 8-8 with taunt. Except but for it has all a, classes. <laughs> except for all classes, and it has a condition. And it, it, no, no one wants to play this. this is no, I, honestly, I could only see this being powerful in maybe Arena, if your deck already has a yes. lot of beast synergy, and by the time you get to draft this guy, you look into your deck, and you're like, oh, I actually have a, quite a few beasts. Right. An 8-8 with taunt is great in that sort of environment, but for rank play, this card definitely falls short. No, Nobody needs this effect. Uh, by turn 8, we have much more pow- powerful effects yeah. we can be playing, or combos. And the decks definitely don't revolve around this sort of thing. I don't think we have to spend much card, much time no. in this card. <laughs> this is an F for constructed. This is an F. Yeah, I should mention, we mentioned in our card review show, but yeah, we're reviewing ours totally based on constructed and primarily ranked play. Um, so don't get mad at us arena players. Um, we don't play a ton of arena, so we didn't want to spend too much of our time on that. But yes, when it comes to constructed, I also give this an F. I mean, if a ramp-centric class like Druid doesn't even play Iron Bark, then... Why would any other class play this? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's just not what you want to be doing in turn eight. And, you know, it dies to big game hunter. Yeah. Um, although it does pass the vanilla test. Yeah, so it does. Congrats there you go. Hustle 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 are not entirely bad. If you're a new um, player and you're trying to find like new cards to fit into your deck, yeah. it's actually, um, it could be a good card if you're trying to build like a beast druid or this mm-hmm. sort of thing and you don't have access to all the cards. 
That's totally. where you look a, at the devil sore. That's a really good point about this whole adventure is because there are less wings, they priced it less, and, and there are actually more cards than other adventures. So for new players, they're getting a lot of cards for the money they're putting in. Yeah, this. absolutely. To um, a point where they might not need old ones, or you know, they can at least get some good replacement for decks that they're still trying to iron out. Exactly. So a lot of these cards, even though we're saying they can't see like competitive play if you have every single other card, they're they're providing some utility for people. Yeah, not to say Devil Sword can get to rank ten, you know what I mean? But yeah. you're you're just not gonna see it in top five yeah. and stuff. Like <laughs> Something I am much more excited about. Oh, is Ancient Shade. It is a four cost rare minion. Uh, seven attack and four health. Yes, for four man you're getting seven attack and four health. But it reads battle cry. Shuffle an ancient curse into your deck that deals seven damage to you when drawn. Um, this passes the vanilla test with flying colors. This is absolutely absurd. Probably the most powerful four drop in the game with stats. Um, and the amazing thing is even its downside is delayed. So when you actually play this, you're not getting a downside to it. It's possible you won't get a downside to it. For I the mean, rest you of the could game. try it the next turn, but you could. To be honest, if you're playing things like Ancient Shade, you're playing already a very aggressive deck. And aggressive decks, mm -hmm. this is what they want. Just huge, yeah. huge threats. Um, it is easy to remove, but mm -hmm. again, because it's an aggressive deck, you're already going to be demanding answers from your opponent right. even before this comes out. For by, by the time this comes out, your opponent might have already exhausted all the answers or might have to use a ton of resources to get rid of this immediately to avoid the 7 damage. Which, you know, gives you more time to keep putting up the pressure. Also, it comes out at turn 4, which is mm -hmm. usually when you are at the heap of your aggression with that sort of deck. Right. Um, I think, yeah, for the, that sort of deck, it's a, it's, a really cool, it's a really cool card. I was toying around with a very aggressive Warlock that already used some of the mm -hmm. hyper-aggressive cards that they have, which also yeah. damage yourself. And I was mm -hmm. kind of like mitigating that with Molten Giant so that the loss yeah, of life. Yeah, I, I thought about running that sort of thing. Yeah, and it, it, I played it with Vincent and I actually won uh, two out of three games with it. And I tried against a few other decks and it's a very volatile deck, but it can close out games really fast. Nice, nice. Yeah, it, um, I was actually a big fan of this deck. I thought, or this card, um, I ran a little bit in a mid-range deck, a mid-range zoo deck, and it it does work pretty well, especially in more aggressive variants, because like you said, it can, you're already using up the removal. Even if you play it on turn four and they remove it, it's possible that they're using a lot of resources to get rid of something that may actually never give you a downside. Additionally, if yeah. you're facing like another aggro deck, like Face Hunter, um, the face hunter having to use four damage to remove something is four damage that's not going to your face. So, like, even then, you're not getting that bad of a deal out of it if you don't draw into the center. Absolutely, if you do, it can be I can imagine game. things in the in things like Druid. Like, it would be so scary. Turn one, Turn one ancient shade. Yeah, I think the new aggressive uh, zoo or the aggressive Druid and mid range aggressive zoo both use these incredibly well. I don't think it's as good in aggressive decks like face hunter that um, that. Uh, rely on direct damage because I think they would rather be doing damage to the face on turn four, yeah. potentially. But yeah, in, in decks that are more minion-centric and aggressive, uh, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. I actually, this is the first card that I gave a B because I've played with it a few games. I could, it, it's obviously anecdotal yeah. for me at this point, but I see a ton of potential. In this. And I can, I can already see turn four ancient shade gets BGH into your Fell Reaver next turn. 
Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing because there are actually two reasons that's really good. One, they may have used the removal in Ancient Shades, like if they have a big game hunter or something. And two, um, it, this is a weird concept, but Fell Reaver might burn the curse. It could, um, yeah, exactly. And it, I can see like a very aggressive deck started to shape up where you really don't care about the future of the match, right? Like yes. past turn seven, you, you're not concerned about that. You're not concerned about curses for seven damage coming your way. You're not concerned about thinning out your deck with, uh, Fell Reaver. The only thing you're concerned about is closing the game out fast with some huge damage. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, I this, think this is a B as well. I I agree with that. Oh right. I was I was wondering if we come to agreement on that because it was the first like strong stance. Yeah, card, for Agrodex. Yeah, for Agrodex, for Agrodex, Agrodex for sure. Never, not control. <laughs> no, no, if you ever plan to like go into the late game, don't play <laughs> this. Uh, but yeah, man, I just it's a high impact card. It's one the yeah. second I saw it, I'm like, am I crazy or is yeah, this it's card a, like, an absolute threat? When you play this card, your opponent has to have an answer, and if yep. not, you're gonna be very happy. Now, as for cards that don't need an answer, we have Eerie Statue. Um, this is a four-cost minion, uh, rare rarity, seven attack, seven health. Passes the vanilla test. Yep. Sounds good. It reads, can't attack unless it's the only minion on the battlefield that's counting enemy minions and friendly minions. Okay. I, I like this card. It reminds me of Ancient Watcher, you know, mm -hmm. uh, huge stats for low mana cost. I think for decks that can take advantage of this, you know, they can use Defender of Hargus, they can use Scarlet Crusader, or not Scarlet Crusader, but the Scarlet yeah. Defender, or I forget her name, the 2 3 that gives taunts. Yes, um, whatever. Yeah, yeah <laughs> everybody knows it. this card. Yeah, Scarlet Defender sounded right, but it could be wrong. Yeah, anyway. yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> you can also silence it and get a huge 7 7 that you can attack with. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you would need to put this in the right, sh in the right shell. Um, for the mana cost, on turn four, if it's not the right deck, you might run into trouble because in that mm -hmm. four slot, let's say decks like Handlock already want to be playing Drakes, want to be playing um, Mountain Giants. So they already have better yes. better creatures to be playing those turns. That's what I thought. But um, I could see it getting some use. I don't think it's entirely useless. Yeah, I think I was a little bit too harsh on this, partially because I thought like one deck would possibly run it except Handlock. And Handlock would never run it because they just had better things to be playing with that. Like, the reason Ancient Watcher is so good is that you don't necessarily need to be doing something in turn two mm -hmm. with Handlock. Uh, but on turn four, you're, you're really not wanting to, uh, to play something like this. You don't want to be playing something passive. You no. want to start playing your threats. And what other deck could possibly use it? I can, um, I don't know. I can see it in creative decks like Druid, you know, like that kind of Ram style Druid where you can yeah. pump it up with, uh, the mark or with a defender mm -hmm. or you can also silence it with keeper of the groves which are already included in the deck automatically that's a fair point yeah okay You're i don't probably... think it's a completely useless card obviously okay. yeah it needs a very specific deck i would give it a c i don't know if it's gonna see extensive play but right. i can definitely be see it being useful in certain types of decks. you make a good point that it does going back to you know the best case potential of this card it actually does have a high ceiling of potential which is like you can get it out in turn four and then you, you can start hitting with a seven seven the next turn if you have something followed up with or you could defend it and just put a wall up for any aggressive decks that and they really it, can't it, get through one thing to note about this is that once you taunt this up your opponent usually has to kill it because it's the same effect of the Ancient Watcher. You just mm -hmm. don't want to silence it because if you yeah. silence it, then it's a huge liability towards you. So in kind of in that sense, it's a nice card to taunt up because really it's kind of like silence proof 
in a way. I didn't realize that. You're right. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, I'll actually give that a D. Um, I can see giving it a C as well, but I just I don't think it can make the cut for it. Yeah, I'm gonna stick we'll with see. C. We'll see if some people take advantage of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next up, we've got this is a really cool card that was actually inspired by a tavern brawl. Uh, Summoning Stone is a five cost uh, rare minion, and it is zero attack and six health, and reads whenever you cast a spell, summon a random minion of the same cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just gonna say that the effect of this card is insanely powerful. Yes, it's so so powerful. Being able to cast things like flame strike or starfall or blizzard which have huge impact on the board already and then summoning a creature that has the same cost is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing if we look at the brute potential of this card it's yeah. huge it's huge mm-hmm. the things you can do with it now because of it, they have given it a huge cost and completely <laughs> underwhelming stats. A yes. zero six for five is the the biggest tempo loss that you could think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're putting like no thread on the board, and you're basically hoping that your opponent doesn't have enough firepower or removal to get rid of it before you can take advantage of it. Right. Um, to make this card work, I think. The conditions to make it work might be really hard to meet, but then again, we don't know. Because with things like Thorison in the game, with uh, the huge ability to cycle cards through a deck, decks even like like Freeze Mage that can stall the game for a really long time and then can combo this with a series of spells later on in the game could actually see some advantage from it. Mm-hmm. How likely these situations are to meet, we don't know. Uh, right. I think, I think this card is one of those cards that makes people want to build decks around it. Yes. Um, this is a builder end card for sure. If you can build a deck around this card, it remains to be seen. Uh, I think definitely playtesting is in order with this sort of card. The effect is, I think yes. is absolutely powerful. The stats are a little crappy. If it was like a zero <laughs> eight, I would be more inclined to be like, yeah. okay, this card might actually see a lot of a lot of play. But at zero six. On the turn five, it's not it's not harder for your opponent to like find answers to this. This is one of those cards that, like we talked about in our card evaluation episode, is one of the kind of mystery um, cards, kind of like Varian Ren or Mysterious Challenger or Grim Patron, where like the potential of this card is extremely high. So it, if it goes well, it has the potential to be deck defining or game defining. Um, if it works. Now, how likely it is to work becomes the question for it. Um, I fall on the side of the fence that says this is going to be a gimmick that can't see large amounts of play mm-hmm. um, for a few reasons. Obviously, you mentioned the stats and how easily removed it is. Um, additionally, even your best case that you're getting from it is not only random, which is not good for a win condition, mm-hmm. but it's uh, board flood dependent. And that's typically not nearly as consistent of a win condition as charge or spell damage or, you know, something that guarantees a victory. A board flood can be countered just by a quality concentrate or by, you know, um, uh, getting uh, AOE from your opponent. So I'm, I'm typically not as uh, big a fan of win conditions that are like flood your board with stuff and hope that your opponent doesn't react on the next turn. Uh, and that's kind of what this card is relying on. Um so, oh, oh, sorry, I had just had a little like internet spike over there. I'm, yep. I'm here though. Yeah. So, so I could see it going either way. And for those reasons, I'm leaning against it. Uh, one deck I could see working for it is like a summoning stone rogue. It is very similar to auctioneer. Um, a 
card that comes out on turn five that then benefits from every spell you play after it. So like the whole difficulty of it is, can you actually get it out and start playing spells with such a high cost? Mm -hmm. You could do something crazy like getting it out and then uh, shrouding it, and then you know it has stealth, and then you can wait that next turn to then explode with all of your rogue spells. Um, that's a potential. Um, and actually, we got an email about this card that I was going to interject in here real quick. Oh, cool! Yeah, um, go for it. Because I thought that was interesting. Because it it is one of the most um, it is one of the most intriguing cards of the set. Um, so this comes to us from uh, Brian, actually, but spelled with an I instead of a Y. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, "I'm a big fan of your podcast. In my opinion, you guys have the best Hearthstone podcast out there." And yes, that part Brian, keep up the great work. It isn't me. I promise. This isn't me <laughs> with my alter ego, Brian, with an I writing it. <laughs> uh, but but thank you a lot, Brian. And he says, "Anyway, you guys had a discussion about Odysseus Lock and Load Hunter deck back when TGT first came out." I'd opened Dread Scale in my pre-order packs and was looking for a way to use it, so I crafted a couple lock and loads to try it out. I had some good fun with the deck, though it is fairly inconsistent as you probably know. Lock and load is such an interesting card, and I've been playing close attention to the new cards to try and see if anything out there can give this deck some extra juice. So, I thought you guys might be interested in hearing that I think the new summoning stone is actually a decent fit in this deck. It seems everyone agrees it's a pretty bad card, but in this deck it can generate a ton of tempo and card advantage, if you can get it to stick on the board for a turn. It's not always easy for the opponent to kill off a 6 health minion on turn 5, especially with the amount of board control this deck can do in the early game. At worst, it acts as a semi-taunt, because your opponent will want to deal with it ASAP. When it sticks, though, you can unleash a ton of spells on the following turn, drawing cards with lock and load, and filling the board with 1-3 to three cost minions. I don't know if the deck is actually any good, but I was able to win games playing it in casual when it was lots of fun. And he included a deck list, which we can throw in the show notes. Oh, awesome. I think, Brian, I think this is a really cool idea. I've been toying around with this idea for a while already. I think mm-hmm. uh, the concept of using spells and squeezing out additional value out of the spells, like a spell-based deck that can also yeah. generate creatures through this sort of mechanic, I think would be super, super awesome. Um, it's definitely, definitely hard to pull off. It's With the cards that we have right now, I was really trying with a lock and load hunter, and there's a few shortcomings as in the sense of uh, the shell of the deck and the hero power doesn't necessarily facilitate for that sort of yeah. gameplay. There are other classes that maybe have better tools for that sort of thing. But, man, I, I love the idea of a, a turn where you can have summoning stone and then lock and load into the turn. Oh my, that would be value <laughs> overload. I would, I would love to see that. I do like that idea a lot. Um, I, I'm similarly like it's for all the reasons I just went over why I can't see that becoming a com- consistent competitive deck. Because again, even looking at your best case scenario, it's relying on your opponent being able to not deal with a, a random board flood, and that's you know proven okay with stuff like Murloc Knight. But it's not typically a consistent thing to build a deck around compared to, you know, charging out a super powerful minion or something. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. I really hope it works. Believe me. This yeah, is a I would, super I would cool love card. to see it work. Having that said, I am going to give D to yep. Summoning Stone because yep. as of right now, it's hard for me to find a situation where this is going to be able to be powerful. Having said that, though, if, if somebody out there does come up with a good combo deck that is spell reliant and can use the Summoning Stone as a cornerstone later on, mm-hmm. it, I would love to see the list. Yeah, I'm going to give you some homework on this. I'm going to send you this lock and load list, and you need to try it um, <laughs> and see where you can get with it. Because who knows? Maybe this is it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it works. All right. Next up, we have Wobbling Runts. This is a six-cost minion, rare rarity, two attack, and six health, and it reads Death Rattle Summon three, two, two runts. Um, so as uh, the first thing I thought when I saw this and what I've seen other people saying is this is the uh, poor man's uh, Savannah Hymane. Um, <laughs> 
It is similar. Um, it is kind of similar. I I have problems with this card. Like I went back and forth on this is amazing and this is terrible, and then I, I kind of fell in between on that. Like when you look at the raw stats you're getting from this, you're getting I believe um, eight twelve for six mana of stats, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. It's pretty good. Eight twelve is good. The problem is on turn six you're dropping a two six. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, and I feel like you're dropping a two six on turn six. They can either a ignore it or b deal with it probably without losing a minion. Then one AOE spell wipes out the three runs you get. Yeah, you're, you're right about back. that. Like a yeah. two six on turn six is easily ignored because by that time your opponent is playing things that are way above that power level. Mm-hmm. The grunts did have like an interesting thing, and in, in the in the sense that with the Decks that might want a lot of minions on their board yes. might benefit out of this, obviously. Yeah, the one use case I was thinking is there's not really an incredible 6-drop right now for mid-range druid. So maybe if you drop this, they're like, shoot, if I take that out, he's comboing into Savage Roar, so I can't, like, leave those runs yeah, there. Yeah, like, even, like, a token druid, I could see yeah. you being, like, this being interesting. The thing is... To be able to make this card playable, you need to already have pressure on the board before you put it put it down. Mm-hmm. Because if you just put this card by itself, it's kind of yeah. like ugh, a little overwhelming. Yeah. And obviously, by turn six, this card is not countering any aggression, right? Like if you could get this mm-hmm. card on turn four, that might be cool because you could counter, you know, maybe some early aggression and then get three runs coming out to help you out later. But at turn mm-hmm. six, you're already past that point. You know, your your opponent's already kind of overwhelming you. So even for right. the, for that, it's not that useful. Yeah, it doesn't close the game out. It doesn't even provide a big threat for the game. Additionally, I saw a really good point, um, which is the, uh, what's, I, I'm forgetting card names a lot today, but the priest card that steals stuff with two attack or less. Oh, yeah, Capital Shadow Priest. Oh, yeah. my God, that would be, if the, if this thing <laughs> gets Capital Shadow Priest, you, you might as well just concede the game right there. Exactly, and that's, <laughs> that's not good, because, I mean, a lot of priest decks run that, and it's turn six, so it's exactly the turn after this that they can play it on you. So I, I give Wobbling Runs a D. I just think it's use I'm going to give it a C, just weak. because I think it has hidden potential. Putting okay. three two twos on, on play yeah. is very powerful and can be exploited in many different ways. Like you said, mm-hmm. like in Druid, you can do Savage Roar or, you know, a bunch of different things. Right. Um... But because of the huge tempo loss and the low impact that it has when it comes down, I, I do put it at, at a C. All right. Next, we have Genie of Zephyrs. This is a, this is a really <laughs> Zephyrs. I don't know. Genie Zephyrs. of Zephyrs is where we're going to go with. Uh, this is a five cost epic rarity minion. Uh, it is four tech and six health. And it reads whenever you cast a spell on another friendly minion, cost a, cast a copy of it on this one. Um, yeah, this, uh, I was down on this card at first. It was one of those ones I went back and forth on, but I think because of the, uh, cause you don't really want a four, six or five mana spectral knight kind of prove that those aren't stats that you're going to play for, the, for those themselves. But given the amount of powerful, um, board affecting buffs that Paladin has, maybe you could have a place in Paladin. What do you think, Andres? I think this card is really interesting. I think this card might actually see some play. Um, mm-hmm. just because the ability of being able to clone certain buffs is so strong, like if you can right. clone like a Blessing of Kings, like you said in Paladin, yes. that is extremely, extremely powerful. Um, the stats are not terrible, especially in decks like Paladin, where you're in turn four, you can be playing True Silver Champion, which already helps you to um, keep, keep, the, board. keep the board on your side. And then you drop mm-hmm. this guy with a, a six health is not, 
super easy stats. to kill. Yeah, it's not easy yeah. to kill. And then on top of that, if you have other creatures on the board that you can buff on the following turn, this guy becomes a powerhouse. You also yeah. have uh, the sisters that came out, the legendary sisters that already um, work well with buffing them. So Is it's interesting. Can, thing we'll see? Yeah, yeah, I can see like a like a buff like a buff deck coming around, especially if your buffs are gonna gain so much extra value. Like with the sisters, you get three damage for free, or divine shield. With this guy, yeah. you get start cloning them, so you get two two for ones in that point. That's a that's a really interesting point I want to make about buffs in Hearthstone compared to Magic. Uh, Magic players typically probably know that you need to be very careful about buffs because since you can't cast them at instant speed typically, and you also can't target your minions to other minions, it's very easy to get two for one because you can buff a card and the opponent can remove it in one card. But because of how Hearthstone buffs work, you can almost always buff a creature and then trade into another creature with it, already getting a card back for your buff. So the buffs at Hearthstone are pretty high impact because of how creature trading works. So cards that like increase them like this are actually pretty have a lot of potential in this game. So like yeah, like going to like a mini bot and one of these guys and putting Blessing of Kings in mini bot that is just <laughs> like yeah. oh my god! Like already having a mini bot in play in Blessing of Kings that is good already. Yeah, if you I like this guy. How the clone it is. I like this guy a lot. I do have a question of whether Paladin will want to, you know, diverge from the very refined secret Paladin mm-hmm. and try it out. But I gave it a C with the potential B if, if the I'm deck exists for I'm gonna go for B it. just because I right. can see it in Priest as well, and yeah. uh, even in Druid you could see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like right on the fence for B, but but that, that's a that's a good one. Um, all right, next we've got Naga or Naga, however you want to pronounce it, uh, <laughs> Nage, uh Sea Witch. This is a really interesting card. Um, five mana, epic rarity, five attack, five health, and it reads: Your cards cost five. Oh man! Um, this means that all of your cards, your coin costs five, your two drop costs five, your Yasera costs five. While this card is in play, every single card in your hand costs five mana. Um, I mean, this about meets the vanilla test, maybe a little bit below it. Um, I think it meets the vanilla test. You know, we see cards like Lothar yeah. already like being That's very true. powerful in, in the five slot as a five five. So yeah, I think it's. I I, am I think very, this card has a lot of potential. Man. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, first of all, at five five, it's already a very good creature. It trades mm-hmm. with almost all the other stuff that comes out in turn five, like true. Sludge Belcher. Lotheb, Harrison Jones, um, you know, etc. Et yeah. And then the the spell or the ability in this card is powerful enough that your opponent has to remove this. And if they don't remove it, then they run into huge liabilities, right? You could think play any card the next turn. Mm-hmm. You could play Sarah, you could play yeah. uh, Dr. Boom, you could play an Ancient of Lore, you could play yeah. any of the big threats. Uh, in th- this card, in a deck like Druid, it may be a card that makes, weirdly enough, it might make Aviana playable again because what it would does is it allows you to top, uh, make your deck top heavy with another way of reaching it. Yeah, um, with this one, you not only have Aviana, but you have another two cards that can make you have right. a similar effect like that, where you can cheat mana cost and put huge creatures in the board early on. So Druid is getting a lot of tools. You could even run a single Astral Communion in that deck if you want or something. So Druid, you know, has a much larger chance of being able to actually get into that late game that they're uh, basing that deck around. Yeah, like so, a, huge, yeah. a huge ramp. I don't know. I think this card is really interesting. The stats are good because it's neutral. It's not only limited to Druid. Even in yeah. a deck like Control Warrior, this could be pretty insane. 
You're right. I'm actually going to up my ranking of this card to a B because I think it has a lot of potential. What do you think? Are you a B or C? I think I'm going to put it at a B, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's good enough to be an A, to be like meta-defining, kind of like yeah. definitely going to go into decks no no matter what. But I think the effect is powerful enough to where we will see this card um, yeah. getting played in some decks. I basically fall. I think this deck is likely to make it into lists of, of archetypes like Ramp Druid. The question is whether it makes those decks good enough to survive yeah. in the super fast and the, meta. The thing about these cards, cards like this have no downside, right? You get no mm-hmm. downside from this card. It's, well, if well, it unless sticks... You're, unless you're running like really low cost. If your hand is low cost, yes. Yeah, if your hand is low cost. But arguably, you're not going to be playing this sort of card in a deck that it has low cost, you know? Like, we mm-hmm. can see, we can already see decks like Druid that can get away with running very few low cost creatures just because True. of the mana ramp that they have. Yeah, I mean, it does slow down, like, if you're running an Druid, it slows down your combo a little bit. You can only put the combo out at turn 10 instead of turn 9, but, you know... True, it, but it's, but then again, yeah. when this is in, once this is in play, your opponent is going to be very yeah, much forced they're not gonna to let remove it, stay. it. They're not going to let it stay. And then you can also trade it in, you know what I mean? If you, if mm-hmm. you really... If the effect is very detrimental to you at that time. Totally. But I think most of the time the 5-5 five, five, five is not going to get you a tempo loss. It's a creature that is going to trade favorably yeah. and it's a huge liability for your opponent and can be a huge benefit for you. Totally. And if it's like a taunt druid, you might even have it behind a taunt. So, you know, you've got a lot of potential there. Like, you could play a turn, uh, you know, coin out a 4-6 um, um, druid of the claw and then play this the next turn and, you know, you have it protected. So, there are some really good uh, potentials. All right. Uh, this is a card that I'm very confused oh, about. This I is am a, very excited about this card. We're, we're hitting the legendaries of the neutrals now. So here we go. These are these are the ones I think we might disagree a lot on. We'll see. Um, a one cost minion, Sir Finley Murgleton. Um, <laughs> one attack, three health, Murloc. Um, uh, battle cry reads: Discover a new basic hero power. The very important it is basic, so you can't get bosses. You can't get just a car. Hero powers is just the basic classes. Um, I also believe you can't discover your own again, so it's out of the eight that you're not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is the first, this is the second card actually after the Spell Stealer that can get you a different hero power or from the other classes. Um, w- w- is this going to be played anywhere? <laughs> I I think so. I yeah. think the ability we we already we've already seen that the discover mechanic has a lot of strategic depth. Mm-hmm. And just because there's only nine hero powers, you're bound to get one that is very relevant for the situation that you're in, uh, yeah. especially for certain classes where your hero power is maybe not the cornerstone of the deck. Maybe it just mm-hmm. helps you out a little bit. I can think of uh, some some types of hunter or maybe right. even like um, shaman, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think this card is going to be powerful enough for you to build a deck that is always trying to change its hero power. Oh, no. No, but no. I think this is kind of like a, like a tool piece that a lot of decks, especially control decks, might actually enjoy quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think it's good for decks that don't rely on its hero power. Like, you don't want to be playing this in Totem Shaman because you want to be getting more totems with that deck. Um, but in something like Midrange Shaman, which maybe doesn't run any totem synergy, you're going to see like, okay, here's yeah. a chance to maybe get a Warlock hero power for my deck. Yeah. And, you know, and I think uh, the stats that it has is actually pretty good. You know, yeah, you get a one, three one three drop for one three, you trades with most of the other one drops and lives. Mm-hmm. And then you, you can really come up with some really like cool game plans with this yeah. guy. It's also important for, uh, if we do see Murloc Shaman, I mean, it's pretty helpful to have a non-totem power for that. Like, if you can get Warlock Hero Power into Murloc Shaman, 
that's like the most powerful class card wise with the best hero power for Grimlock. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't there. think this this card is gonna inspire decks to be built around it. No, but I think this card is gonna slot into a lot of existing decks, and it's gonna give you a lot of strategic choice, and it's gonna reward you, especially if you really know what your opponent's trying to do to pick the right hero power to counter that or to aid your strategy as it's going. Yeah. I don't know, I, I'm a big fan of Sir Finley. Okay, I still give it a C just because I'm I don't see give it being that high impact. A. I think what? this card is going to see a lot of play. Okay, um, <laughs> we might have... Uh, this, this might be the first card we are far off on. To be uh, honest, out of all, the, all, all of all the League of Explorer legendaries, I think this one is probably going to see the most play out of all of them. Out of the legendaries, I think I might agree with you. Uh, these are not the most high impact this legendaries. my first day. I might um, be wrong, some people might not use it, but I don't know, I can see this card slotting into so many decks. You know what? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and give it a B because I do think you're right that it's just kind of like if you're in a deck that um, like you can if you can think about your deck and say at least like a third of the hero powers would be better in my deck than the one I have, then play this because you get to discover between three different hero powers. So it's like, it's not it's, like, it's not like there, there's that bad of hero powers. You know what I mean? Like yeah. most of your powers are pretty decent. They have exactly. about the same power level. They're pretty balanced. Especially if you're playing a class that has one of the worst ones. Um, you were talking about, like, in the Lock and Load Hunter. Um, you were talking about how the hero power doesn't synergize for that. You could play this guy. Yeah. Um, and then maybe swap it out. Yeah, you're right. This is actually... And the great thing about this card is it's low impact. Um, like, you can worst sneak case, it in you got like a 1-3 so on turn too. 1. Yeah, worst case, you got a 1-3 on turn 1. But even late game, if you're in the late game and you draw this guy... You have a good potential to be able to have card draw through the rest of the game if you get the Warlock Hero power. Um, or if you're playing against the Hunter and running low health, you can gain armor or yeah. healing. If yeah, I do if, really like this guy. If you're, you're fighting against me. a warrior and you realize that you're going to need a little extra board, for example, if you're a rogue, you can give the Shaman Hero power or the yeah. Paladin Hero power. You're convincing me. You know, we're going to make a unified front. I'm going to give this guy an A. We're going to say, this is the Heart of the Holics card. We're going to say, this guy's going to see play, and we're going to see Plus, it right. it's a Murloc Corson Sir Finley. Like, uh, come yeah, on. Yeah, you're right. And Murgleton <laughs> is, our, uh, is our card of the set. So here we go. Uh, awesome. Nice. All right. Next up, we have a card I'm so confused about. I can't decide if this is good or not, but we'll see. Uh, Three-cost minion. Legendary Bran Bronzebeard mm-hmm. to attack for health, and it reads your battle cries Twigger Twigger Trigger twice <laughs> or Twigger twice. Um, so this guy is like um, Baron Rivendare, except a lot better because his stats are actually good for his costs instead of being a one seven. Yeah, for four. this has He's Gnomish a- Inventor stats for less of the cost. Yeah, two four for three. That's almost vanilla uh, vanilla test passing, and additionally. That's pretty good to be able to double battle. This is uh, really, really good. I think uh, this guy can be in, starting to go in the vein of Battlecry decks. Yeah, I uh, think something it, I'm curious about. Do you happen to know if you like do it on a um, fire elemental if you target three damage individually, or does it do six damage to one target? I think you'll probably do six damage to the same target, but that's okay. still a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, your Battlecry triggered twice at a three cost card. <sighs> Getting into situations where you're going to be able to take advantage of this ability is not going to be rare. Especially mm-hmm. with the stats. Sometimes you are going to be able to just outright play this guy in turn 3 or coin it out in turn 2 and have very reasonable chances of making it through and then getting some insane battle cries. You can also save it for later and play it next to mm-hmm. already a good battle cry. Um, Heal bot. Yeah, imagine a heal bot for 16 health. 
You can yep. play that on turn eight for sixteen health. If you're playing <laughs> against a hunter, that that is so devastating. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, there are some decks that would be really bad in. I wouldn't play this in Warlock, especially if you're adding this. Or sorry, Zulok, especially if you're adding the shade in, because there are a lot of battle cries that hurt you. So maybe don't do that. But yeah. so something like Handlock, it runs Healbot, it runs Twilight Drake. You could have a Twilight Drake with like 12 health. Oh my health. god, that is insane. You could, so, uh, I guess it doesn't work for the taunts, huh? The, uh, no, but the thing about Brand that's really nice is, um, it's similar to Myrtle, Myrtleton, and the reason I like these cards is because they offer a lot of potential at a low cost of entry. Like, it's not like you're paying eight mana to get this effect and hoping it works like Kelthazad or something. Yeah, it's like, it's fine stats for three mana that could potentially, that there's a perfectly good tempo drop leading up and can also be game-breaking late game if you play it with some of your high-level Absolutely. I think it's also a cool card because you don't necessarily have to build a complete deck around it. It's actually a mm -hmm. card that might find its way into decks that are already used certain battle cries that are powerful exactly. um for example if you're playing like control warrior and you have a shield maiden like playing this and a shield maiden is amazing yeah i think i think this fits in a lot of decks i think it it'll lend towards people using battle cries more but it doesn't require you to build around it i think it's a uh, perfectly good stats it's good when you're ahead in the game it's not great when you're like falling behind a lot and don't have options but it, it's versatile enough that i would give this card a b yeah, definitely B. I think it's gonna see some play for sure. If, B for brand. I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if we see a pure battle cry deck spawn out yeah. because of this. It's it's really powerful, especially if you play it in tempo and then just have a four drop battle cry, a five drop battle cry, a six drop battle cry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Four 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 health is not easy to take out at that point of the game. Mm -hmm. Um all right. Next up we got another legendary here, the crazy card of the set. It is Elise, Elise, yeah, Elise Starseeker. Elise Starseeker. Um, four cost legendary minion, three attack, five health, and reads battle cry, shovel the map to the golden monkey into your deck. Um, so I would have to explain how this works. Okay, so you shuffle a card, the map to the golden monkey. This is a two cost spell that reads shuffle, I believe, shuffle the golden monkey into your deck and draw a card. So basically once you get that, you play it for two mana, draw another card, and then shuffle the golden monkey into your deck. When you draw the golden monkey, I believe that's four cost? I don't have it up in front of me. Um, uh, I can or look it, it up cost over again. here. Yeah, it's either two cost again or four cost. The map of the golden monkey is a two cost. Yes, what about the golden monkey? And the golden monkey itself is a 6-6 six, six for four mana that says taunt, battle yes. cry, replace your hand and deck with legendary minions. The really funny thing is if you had Bran out, you would see it replace all your cards with legendary minions, and you might love it, and then it will replace them again. <laughs> yeah. The, the so. super interesting thing about this is that... <clears throat> sorry, the combo is kind of made to already be like a late-game kind of mechanic. Like, yeah. the Golden Monkey is already a very cheap taunt. A 6-6 six, six for 4. That mm -hmm. on top of that has an incredibly powerful effect. Yeah, like we have not seen this effect at all ever before. All of your deck becomes just legendary cards, random legendary cards. But you know, if yeah. all of your deck becomes it, you know, you're bound to get very good cards. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't like this. Okay. So the reason I don't like this card for competitive play is probably pretty obvious. First of all, it takes forever to actually have it do anything. Yep. Um, dropping a three five on four isn't terrible, but you do have to also dump the two mana into the. Then the uh, map, and then also put the two man or the four man into the golden monkey. Um, in addition, it it pretty much can only work in control decks. Then I think you know decks that can survive throughout the game to be able to see the effect. And 
Those decks typically have their own finisher on their own specific sequence of order. Imagine seeing a tournament where someone's playing Freeze Mage or Control Warrior and then says, okay, instead of drawing into, you know, Grom or Alex Straza or the cards I know I put in this deck to counter other cards and win, I'm going to hope these random legendaries that replace my hand and my entire yeah. deck can win the game for me. Like, it would almost be a better effect if it turned your opponent's hand and deck into legendary minions and ruined their deck, and then you could probably <laughs> just steamroll the game. <laughs> Honestly, it's a, it's a very interesting interesting effect yeah at first i was like no way you're never gonna pull that effect it's a super gimmicky effect and it is right. it is a gimmicky effect but the more and more i think about it um i could see this working in a combo deck that is built to mm. just make this happen and the way you do it is to have a very attrition based combo and right. instead of using a lot of um Instead of using things that add cards to your deck, you use things like Discover and Cycle so that you're never adding cards to your deck and you're usually cycling through them fast. Mm-hmm. Um, with things like Reno Jackson and stuff like that, you could you can make a deck that can stand on its feet for a long time, long enough for you to draw into this combo. And technically speaking, once you draw into this combo, then you get a... 6-6 six, six stunt with a monkey and a bunch yeah. of insane cards. And so you're saying that, more like kind of a grinder mage, which is instead of relying on a finisher, you're just relying on outlasting your opponent, and a ton of legendary cards typically have good value. Exactly. And then at the end, okay. all of your cards become amazing value with legendaries, and you finish mm-hmm. it off like that. Kind of like the control warrior style, where you're just right. trying to hold off your opponent and then finish it up with big threats. But this one is like that to the to the max. Right. Yeah. Given that Grinder Mage has never been that popular and mill decks aren't that popular and how variable it is, I still can't see this actually yeah. making the a competitive deck. The interesting about it is that because because you're working towards this win condition, yeah. you can actually ignore bringing in threats or winning yeah. conditions in the deck. You could mm-hmm. you could just b- bring cards that keep you alive and that stall your opponent without no necessarily but no win condition. If your win condition is only this, it's still possible the Golden Monkey will hit the bottom of your deck, or the map will hit the bottom of your deck. It if is. either of those happen, you just lose. So I still think it's I, horrible. It doesn't work like that, so it's only the <laughs> remaining cards that are in your hand in your deck that become legendary? Um, say again? That's how it works. We have confirmation that it's only the remaining cards in your deck and your hand. Well, I mean, it would be... Are you asking if it like replenishes your deck with legendaries? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, what does the Golden Monkey text say? It says, uh, get up from here. Replace your hand and deck with legendary minions. I guess, yeah. It that is ambiguous. Restore. It sounds like it, I'm assuming it will not give you more cards, but if it does, then that does change my opinion. I just don't think that's how it works. Uh, if it so, does, if it does give you more cards, then it, it's kind of good. <laughs> then it's good. If it doesn't give you more cards, then then you would want to have certain cards that give you more cards yeah but i, I guess I, at that point it wouldn't matter because all of your cards become yeah. legendary i don't if know it does it's a not very give you, if it does not give you more cards i would give it an f if it does give you more cards i would potentially give it a d for a possible <laughs> super grindy deck i'm gonna but. put i'm gonna give it a c because wow. okay. because i think the the way hearthstone works there there mm-hmm. are things that will be able to pull off this this condition there are things yeah. that already draw through their entire deck no matter sure what. Um, and I think just because of the effect is powerful enough that you can get away with not running win conditions, and then yeah. you have other stuff like uh, Brand Bronzebeard and mm-hmm. Reno Jackson, 
that in yeah. conjunction with at least our seeker, they give you a bigger chance. You know, if you play, I brand never consider the brand these, combo. Yeah, you that's get a two really maps. good point. Um, so I don't know. Huh. I, I I think I think that this effect seems really insane, but I think gotcha. that the cards that they're releasing around with the, at least our seeker mm-hmm. might make it so that it is possible to make it happen. Gotcha. We'll see. It's it's again one of those cards that like. It has that huge potential. It's just a question of whether it'll be pulled off or not. I'm I'm thinking against it, but hey, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm curious to see if it'll happen. Speaking of Reno Jackson, that is the legendary we got this week. It is a six-cost minion, four attack, and six health, uh, and reads Battlecry. If your deck contains no more than one of any card, fully heal your hero. Um, so I, at first, was very down on this guy because I'm like, okay, yeah, healing is nice, but you never want to build your deck. Uh, the, the amount mm-hmm. of benefit you would lose by um having to build your deck around single copies instead of double copies would be bad enough that there's no way his you know his heal effect would be good enough yeah. to make up for that however people i did see people bring up the point that in something like freeze mage you're typically down to a few cards and then he could feel heal you up to full um what do yeah. you think about that in those kind of decks that's the other thing that a lot of people will say oh you're gonna end up making a super inconsistent deck with reno jackson mm-hmm. but the truth is there's a lot of decks already out there that use a lot of one-offs in the deck naturally mm-hmm. and then on top of that it's not that you can only carry one-offs but by the time you play reno you want to have only one type of the card left in the deck so technically you can still run two of a card you just yeah. want to make sure that either one of the copies is in your hand or you have mm-hmm. already played it. So it kind of rewards you for keeping track. Of what oh, you'd have played. to, yeah. Yeah, you have to be very familiar with your deck and know which double copies are there in your deck, which ones have you drawn already, which ones have you played already, so that when mm-hmm. you play this guy, you guarantee the heal. But yeah, in a control deck where you can keep track of this and you're maybe not running a lot of uh, two-offs of the card and a lot of the two-offs you've already drawn by the time you're playing this guy then it, mm-hmm. it can be a very powerful effect. I mean, full heal your hero, and this is not like Tree of Life, that full heals both heroes. No, this is just yeah. one-sided. This is a, hey, I'm back to full, I'm going to come get you now. I mean, this basically wins any, once you're both to fatigue, this is like, you just win if you play this guy. Yeah. Um, because There's also the chance that, you know, in a deck that is designed to carry Reno Jackson, if you're playing against an aggressive deck, you might yeah. be able to drop this guy in turn six or seven and totally ruin your opponent's plan. Yeah, if you're really lucky with your draws, that, that, that's a good point. Um, I still, I feel like even with his power level, this is one of those guys where the gimmick falls on the side of not being worth it or not actually going to be able to fit in. So so I'm leaning on the D side with this guy. I think he has potential. I just see it. I'm going to give it a C. I think you're just going to yeah. see play in some decks, especially control decks. Um, right. But definitely, you, ha- you it takes you have to build around this guy and play yeah. around this guy. Yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, just leaning against that. I think people are going to try it and be like, eh, it's not worth it. But hey, he, he he's right on the fence there. Mm-hmm. A card that I'm more positive on is the final legendary here. We have a nine cost minion, Arch Thief Rafam, uh, seven attack, eight health, and battle cry, discover a powerful artifact. Can you read off what those three artifacts are, Andres? Because I don't have all that. Uh, yeah, so let me look it up here. The first one, well, first of all, all of the artifacts cost 10 mana. Yep. So basically, the way the guys design is for you, you play it on turn 9, and then on turn 10, you can play one of the artifacts. Mm-hmm. The first one is called Lantern of Power. Uh-huh. Give a minion plus 10, plus 10. Okay. The second one, Mirror of Doom. Fill your board with 3-3 mummy zombies. That sounds pretty, pretty scary. <laughs> okay. And then Time Piece of Horror. Deal 10 damage randomly split among all enemies. 
All right. So this guy is, um, this guy's pretty slow. That, that, that goes without saying. I mean, it's turn nine to get the seven, eight on the battlefield. And then it's turn 10 before you can, you know, use his effect. However, typically high cost, uh, bomb cards with a definite upside that you can guarantee are, are pretty good. You have Nefarian, Ysera, Ragnaros, Alexstrasza. Like these are the types of high cost cards you want to be playing mm-hmm. because you, unlike, uh, some others, like sometimes Kel'Thuzad or Gruul or something like that, where their effects can take a while to go off, you guarantee the battle cry of these guys immediately. With Bran, you get two of these artifacts. Um, and these are artifacts that can potentially swing or win you the game in the right cases. No, so I'm actually, right. I hadn't thought about that. You do get two with him. Pretty big fan of this guy. Uh, he runs you Nefarian. Nefarian saw some play, but didn't stick around so long. I can see this guy having a similar use where when a slow meta is around, he can kind of, yeah. he can stick around, but when, when things speed up too much, he might have to drift back I into the shadows. I think he kind of has the same effect as, um, Varian or Nefarian, like you said, yeah. Ysera. It's, is your finisher card, it's, we're, we're starting to get more and more with different flavors and stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, pick your deck and, pick your finisher kind of kind of thing right um i still think maybe cards like isera yeah might be a little more powerful slightly more powerful obviously all these effects are um very high impact you know plus 10 plus 10 fill your board with mm-hmm. three of these zombies or deal 10 damage rather than split but they also cost 10 mana so yes, to, your next turn to get the absolute value of this guy <clears throat> you're pretty much using two turns of mm-hmm. your of your of the game so i don't know that ma- makes me a little hesitant about how good this guy will be yeah. obviously if you're a control deck and this is like your last threat and you play this is very good mm-hmm. uh but if you're playing against the more average aggro and mid-range decks that are, you know predate the latter yeah um i don't know if this guy's gonna have that much of an impact i would give it i mean i give it a c Yep, that's exactly what I gave it. I actually really like it as a legendary. I think it has potential in super slow decks. If we see like a cutback of Ramp Druid, especially with things that make everything cost five, it can be pretty good. You can play him for five and then his spells will be five. Oh my god, yeah. If you can um, if you can play the Naga and then play this guy, there you yeah. go. Now we're talking. So there's a lot of potential for this guy. If a slower, a little bit slower comes back in, I I like him. He's a legendary that actually has impact. So uh, I gave it a C. Really interesting thing. By the end of these legendaries, I gave one an F, one a D, one a C, one a B, and one an A. So <laughs> I love how much they went across the gamut of uh, potential with these legendaries. That's Perfect. really cool. Um, um, I guess they'll probably do it for this episode. We yeah. want to do the rest of the reviews. We'll go into the class-specific cards probably in a stream. We can do it maybe on Monday, I'm thinking. Yes, because this this did take about an hour, so it'd probably be best to split up class cards. Yeah, and yeah, we don't want to bore you guys with too yeah. much reviews. So this will do it for the neutral cards. I think they're quite exciting. We're seeing a lot of new effects and a lot of like in, very innovative stuff. So yep. I'm excited. I'm excited for this uh, League of Explorers. Exactly. Yeah, we'll be in touch when when we'll be doing the second set of card reviews. Maybe it can be next week's episode. Maybe we'll have time to release a bonus episode throughout the week. We'll keep you updated. But yeah, uh, there are a lot of class cards I'm actually really excited to talk about. So um, we'll we'll be getting to those in the next episode. This was this was fun though. So what do you think uh, out of this, Andres? Was your card of the neutral set uh, Sir Finley? I would say yeah, Sir Finley yeah. is is my favorite card. I don't know. I love the artwork. I like the stats. I think it's easy to slot into a lot of decks. I think it, it has a lot of uh, strategic depth. I think yeah. the the ability is not a liability at all. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. There might be that matchup where you really get three hero powers with really 
really don't have anything to do, but I think that's going to be very rare. You know, you can get the Major Power Priest, the Warlock. There's so yep. many choices that are good. That that is that is true. So he's the guy we agreed on for A. For F, the only one we agreed on that both uh, got an F was Fossilized Devil Soar. Not not so much a good card. And the biggest difference with our rankings was Elise, where I gave her an F and you gave her a C. So we'll we'll see how. Uh, right, we're in the the same vein. I feel. Yeah, we were pretty much only a letter off on on anything, and most of the times the same one. So we'll see if we get more contentious with the class reviews. Um, until next time, everyone, uh, have fun with League of Explorers, and we'll be uh, talking with you soon. Sounds good. And yeah, if you guys are listening to this to audio, if you want to check out the video, it'll be up on YouTube soon, so stay tuned for that. This is our first stream ever. Hopefully we can do a couple more of those. I think it's a cool, it's a cool um, method to communicate with you guys. Totally. All right, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's go. Let's begin.